Tonight, my holy grandfather's neshama was returned to his maker. I wasn't going to record an episode tonight, but my grandfather was a man of Tyra. So tonight, I dedicate this episode to him. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Taldice. Taldice is Descendants, the legacy. To my Baba, this is your legacy. We are your legacy. And just like Avraham's children in this week's Parsha, Yitzchak and Yaakov and Esav and Rivka are determined to keep Avraham's legacy alive, so too we continue to live and thrive, to live by your legacy. In this week's Parsha, we introduce to this dichotomy Rufka is experiencing a lot of existential angst. Within her, there are two nations. And she feels it. And she feels very existential about it. She asks, Why do I have to have this angst within myself? She recognizes early on there's something not so normal about what's going on inside of her. When she walks past a pagan place of worship, her stomach feels drawn to it. When she walks past a shul, there is a shul. There is a force within her stomach that's drawn to it. It feels like there is two opposites within her. And from the second Esav is born, we see that he has different tendencies to Yaakov. And the question we ask is, it's not fair if you think about it. Was Esav set up in order to fail? In many regards, it sounds like it. It feels like that he was. He comes out red and hairy. He loves to hunt. He's charismatic, he's outgoing, he's passionate. And Yaakov, in a sense, is Yeshiva Halim. He sits in his tent. He's far, far less charismatic and out there, like Esav. But in many ways, his journey, you see it with kids all the time. You see the kids that have strong, powerful personalities. They're awesome kids, but if it's not harnessed, it can so easily go astray. Asaf was the neshama of Taiho, very high level, very powerful energy. Yaakov was the neshama of Tikkun. His neshama came from a place of refinement, of a place of orderliness, a place of from down to earth. And yet, Rivka loved Yaakov and Yitzchak loved Esav. Why, the Torah says? Because Yodeh Tzayed, he knew how to hunt. Rashi asked the question, why did Esav, why did Yitzchak love Esav because he knew how to hunt? So Rashi says, knowing how to hunt means he knew how to deceive Esav knew how to deceive Yitzchak. He would say to him, Eich ma'asrin, how do you give maisa for melach and teven, for salt and straw? Now the question is quite, it's quite strange and quite random. Why did asking these questions, why these specific questions, Esav would ask Yitzchak? There's something very, very different about straw and salt. Straw and salt in and of itself, really salt's very salty. It doesn't have any inherent value. 
so too straw. There's no inherent value. It's just straw. But so if you take my stuff from the profits that you get from salt and straw, from someone doesn't appreciate their value, perhaps it's going to be very small. But if you take salt and you take straw and you take the salt and you put in a soup or you take the salt and you put on a grapefruit, the grapefruit becomes sweet. Salt has a transformative power. When it engages with other materials, it has incredible ability. So too straw. Straw in of itself has no great strength. But when straw engages and becomes bricks, wow. That it has incredible monetary value. So too with Asav. Asav did not have that strength and confidence to value himself and his potential and his abilities. He saw himself as salt. He saw himself as straw before they were able to engage with other ingredients. And so Asav goes astray. The next Sukkim tell us that Asav is wild. He is not interested in rules. He wants to break the rules. And so he doesn't care. He gives, he sells his birthright to Yaakov. He says, I'm going to die. I know if I'm the Bahar and I work in the base of Mikdash, I'm not going to do well with the rules. I'm not interested. You can have it. But yet at the end of the Parsha, we see how all these emotions and feelings 60 years later come back to haunt Esav. When Yitzchak is 123 and he's about to pass away, he feels as though even though he doesn't pass away, Rashi explains to us that within five years of your parents' age range, so we know that Sarah passed away at 127. So because Yitzchak was 123, five years before Sarah passed away, it was time for him to create his, to order his inheritance. And so he tells Asaph, go, go kill me. Go bring me food. Go hunt and bring me food, and I will bless you. Rifka hears this. She says, no way. Esav is powerful. Esav is strength. But if the future of the Jewish people and my legacy go through and are blessed through Esav, the Jewish people will not survive. There is too much chaos. But what about Yaakov? The Jewish people can survive through Yaakov. Yeshav Ahalim. The Jewish people will survive through Tyra. That's how we've survived for thousands of years. We've survived because we are strong in our belief systems. And no matter what, we have carried our traditions, our Judaism together with us. We haven't left it behind. And Rivka saw that Yaakov had that ability. He had that ability, Yosheb Ahalim, to bring the Torah with him wherever he went. Maybe he didn't have the charisma and the passion and the strength of Esau. But Rifka knew that wasn't what it was going to take in order for Esau to survive, for Judaism to survive. So interesting, I always think that whenever says anyone says Judaism is sexist, I always say, look at Rifka, look at Sarah, look at Rachel, look at Leah. Who's running these stories? Who are the ones running the show? 100% our powerful matriarchs. And so she sends Yaakov to get the blessings. And Yaakov says, but my father's going to know I'm not hairy. 
So she basically places on Yaakov's, his, the fur of the goat skin in order that he will have the same texture as Esav. And as he enters, Yitzchak says, he notices that something is different in the tone of voice of Yaakov. And he says, Hakol kol Yaakov v'yadayim yaday Esav. This is the voice of Yaakov, but the hands are like Esav. And it seems as though Yitzchak knows. Yitzchak knows that this is not his son, Esav. But in some deep way, he agrees with Rivka. Hakal kal Yaakov. The Jewish people will only survive through the morality of the, the refinement of Yaakov. Jewish people were such good people. You go on and see what's going on in this war. The Jewish people are strong. But we are underlying in the depth of us. We are kind, good people. You see Israeli soldiers handing out water bottles to Gaza residents, risking their lives to go into Shifa Hospital to make sure that to minimize civilian casualty. Unprecedented. No army would take such measures to save civilian life. Jewish people were kind, good people. Kol Kol Yaakov were refined, were good. But in order to survive, it's not enough just to be refined and have our morals. You die midday, Esav. We need to have strength. As Jewish people, not only are we good moral people, having strength and being moral is not a contradiction. We cannot apologize. We cannot be too kind in the face of brutality. We cannot have ceasefires. We cannot make peace deals. Just because we are kind, we cannot take our kindness and allow people to step on us. The voice is the voice of Yaakov, the voice of refinement, the voice of morality. But we need to have that strength of Esav. And thus, that's the legacy of the Jewish people. It's not going to come from the charisma and the passion of Esav. The Jewish legacy, the Jewish continuity is going to come from Yaakov, but not just from his kindness and from the, his ability to Yeshiva Halev and his humble nature. It's going to come with that wrapped with strength. Wishing you a beautiful Shabbos.